0: It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for, it's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jidlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world.
1: back, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting episode of Goat Gab. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Cameron Jodlowski.
0: And I am your other co-host, Laura Warren-Hughes. We're so excited to be here, and we're especially excited to welcome one of my favorite people in the whole world. We have Dr. Yolanda Burton here. She is a veterinarian and owner at Patterson Animal Hospital. And um, I had the pleasure of meeting Yolanda. Gosh, it's going to be going on eight years ago. Can you believe that? Yeah, wow. It was kind of a serendipitous moment when we met. And um, I consider her and her amazing family to be some of my, as
2: I said, very favorite
0: goat people in the whole
2: world. So welcome, Yolanda. Thank you. Thank you. I never thought one goat could bring so much connections to my life. But it really it was it was that one goat that that really started it all for us. It sure was.
0: And that was, um, Yolanda's got four beautiful, amazing, fun daughters that um, every time we're around them, my daughters are like, I wish we lived closer because they're just so much fun.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: I think I had the opportunity to work with one of your daughters earlier this year in a showmanship class, correct?
2: Yes. Two of them were in there actually, but yes, they they very much oh. remember that. <laughs>
1: Oh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing.
2: Uh, <laughs> they do talk about it a lot because one made the cut and one did not.
1: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm
2: sorry to the one that did not. <laughs> that's okay.
1: <You> know, lessons <laughs> um, learned,
2: I'm telling there's, you.
1: There's always next year. I will tell her that. Um, but nonetheless, moving on, Laura, what's happening at your place this week? It's just dang
0: slow right now. We have the joy of having... The 2021-22 ADGA Youth Rep, um, Alicia Boren, visit us for a week over uh, Thanksgiving. So that was a lot of fun. We had a good time with her here. And Caroline's finishing up her last um, week up at college. So it's just kind of, you know, getting ready for Christmas and the holidays around here. And one thing that I wanted to share, though, and I think we've talked about barn cameras before so the, over this past year I've made the plunge into getting a bunch of those neat little wireless blink cameras. Have you, have you guys ever used those? I have not. Negative ghostwriter. No. Okay. Well, they're great for barns or pastures that don't have um, any electricity because they run, they run on batteries and the picture is really clear. I can pull it up on my Amazon equipment and um, can pull it up on my phone But anyway, my daughters have learned how to uh, dial into the cameras, too. And it's amazing how quickly you run through batteries that are supposed to last for two years when you have daughters who at various times pull up the pasture cam so they can watch the goats outside eating hay. I'm surprised (laughs) they don't watch the puppy. Oh, they watch the puppy, too. (laughs) <laughs> excuse me anyway, anyway so if, if you are looking for the ultimate in um family entertainment when people aren't home to watch the goats just put up some goat cams and give them access to it and then they can watch their goats all the time
1: so Laura, it was interesting because I was at my my in-laws for uh, um, Thanksgiving, and I was scrolling through their TV to find some football for us to watch, and one of the channels I came across was the barn cameras, actually. So they have their um, barn cameras actually hardwired into their TV to watch. No way. Really? That's cool. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> quite interesting there. I prefer the phones, but... That's just me because it makes it a lot easier um, when you're doing um, other things or out and about. There,
2: Yolanda, do you guys have cameras in your barns? We do. We have cameras um, that we can watch, and we've went through a few different kinds. Right now, we have the Wise cameras, W Y Z E, and we can watch them from the phone. And oh, yes, and it's kind of the same thing. Once we got our Wi-Fi set up to working in the barn, then yeah, being at work all day, I I couldn't live. I couldn't live without cameras. (laughs) I just got to see what's going on. It is
0: kind of addicting to look at them and, and kind of get a glimpse into the life of goats when their owners aren't around, you know, Um, sometimes they do stupid things or they'll stand there and look at a corner and you're like, what the heck are they looking at? That's the corner, you know? Uh, Yeah.
1: Yes. You know, they're just so smart creatures sometimes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So really, I mean, when I say there's, there's nothing going on, that's, really the highlight of it. I think we got our last few goats bred. So that's, that's a good thing.
1: Awesome there. Yolanda, what's happening at your place?
2: It's kind of, you know, typical goat things. It's the off season. We're just doing our last few preg checks, probably not going to breed anybody else. I'm not a fan of May and later babies. Sometimes it happens, but they're just not my favorite. We like to show in May. So I don't like having pregnant goats during May. So we're kind of hoping it's all done. And and then just, we're just looking at goats and feeding goats and not doing any of the typical hours and hours of barn chores that come when kidding and milking gets here.
1: That's kind of the nice time, you know, chores yeah. if you want it to can take like 15 minutes.
2: Hmm. Yeah, we, we always use like November, December, January is like family vacation time because you have to plan everything around the goats. And so we can't do anything that happens any other time of the year except for now because it's the only time we'll leave the goats alone because they're not as needy.
0: Yeah, I agree with that too. And and just for our listeners' sake, Yolanda, you guys have, do I count this right? Do you have five different breeds that you guys show?
2: Oh, that sounds about right because we have each kid has a breed and then one kid has two breeds and then we have recorded grades. And so two of the girls both show Nubians they they just neither one of them wanted to get out of Nubians and so they both kept Nubians and then one has La Manches, the other has Alpines and Saunens, and then you know if there's if there's more than one breed, you're gonna get some recorded grades. <laughs> An experiment. (laughs) It just happens. Uh
1: Yes. Yes, it does there. Yeah. What's going on at your farm? Nothing. Nothing. Literally nothing. Well, goats are coming in the heat and I'm mad about that, but, um, had a scare this morning, um, went out and there was the best Toggenberg looking at the bucks. Like they were delicious snacks. And I was like, oh no, you're in heat. So I went and grabbed a buck out, grabbed the craziest buck out, of course, because that's who she was supposed to get bred to, and went to the pen, and she was just kind of eyeing him and sizing him up, and I brought him into the pen, because she was allegedly the only goat in heat. Looked at her, there was no tail wagging, and she just starts rubbing on him, and I'm like, you're not in heat at all, because there's nothing there. So I think I'm just going crazy, um, trying to catch goats in heat, or not in heat. I'm so sick and tired of breeding goats. Let's just say that.
0: Does it not seem like this has been the longest breeding season in the history of goats?
1: Before you jump, you jumped on Laura. Me and Yolanda were having that conversation because it's like there's just there's no rhyme or reason to any of this bull crap.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs>
1: um, other than that, um, yeah, that's that's all we've got going on there, ordered feed again today. And, um, you know, trying to procure more hay again, that's always a game. Um, and, uh, just enjoying the slowdown.
0: Yeah. It kind of, it kind of always gets me rejuvenated for goats, you know, when, when you can just go out and and it's not that you have to be out there it's that you want to be out there. You know, you can, you can give them attention and, and just kind of hang with them. And then you can go inside. It's not like, Oh, I've got all these chores to get done. It's, yeah. it's just, yeah. it's nice. We, we did
1: everybody's hooves and they didn't take forever. That's the thing too. That was, that was kind of nice. Actually, it was very relaxing. And Catherine was attempting to make me her ultrasound technician. So she could just look at the pictures and I was going to hold the probe for her and <laughs> it did not work out well. <laughs>
0: Is that something that you should do before you get married to not just build fence? You <laughs> you need to ultrasound together, right? <laughs> it's just like more contact, more contact. Well, I'm like working on like a four inch thing of contact there.
1: I, I am not an ultrasound technician by trade. Um, she says she's going to make me one, but she did not yell at me as much. So that was very surprising. Yolanda,
2: how does that work at your house? Oh, you know, the last few times we've ultrasounded the kids, um, the older girls from college were home once, and then the next time, um, one of the younger kids, and they love doing it. So actually, they get to do all the wrist turning and pushing and shoving, and and I don't yell either. So not not then anyway. Um, so it's pretty good. But as far <laughs> as as Dean, he just he's just the the go getter. He doesn't necessarily love the goats like us, but he'll do about anything we ask. So (laughs) he's a good guy. (laughs) He he is. We do love him. Yeah.
0: He's very tolerant and very patient, it seems, just when I've been around him anyway.
2: That's the appropriate word. He's very, very tolerant of us girls and of the goats.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting you say that because my dad told me a long time ago, and I know Catherine doesn't listen to this podcast, so she won't hear this at all. She said, you don't need to find a wife that likes the goats. They don't even have to be enthralled with the goats. They just got to tolerate the goats.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that's, I would say that there are probably a lot of us who are in marriages with partners that tolerate versus enjoy. Yes, there. Uh, Laura, what is happening in Adga land? So I believe that the finalized committee lists are supposed to be due today I think so if you have applied for a committee you should be hearing soon from uh, your committee chair on whether or not you made that committee so that's always that's always a positive thing. Um, you know you, you think about it being the end of the year but actually, you know, it's March when we have our mid-year reports that come out. So, time's a times a kicking by. So, we got to, you know, get going on that. So, um, let's see. The top 10 lists came out. So, Cameron, when you're saying nothing, I think you kind of forgot something.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, we actually um, had several does make the top 10 in the same breed there. Um, And then one that was, I'm not going to say snubbed, there was a paperwork snafu between our um, milk test company and Adga. So um, we had uh, three goats in the top 10 for production for sables, including the breed leader on our farm there. And then um, also had um, a fourth goat that snuck in there on, uh, I believe, fat as well at number 10. I think she was 10 and fat. That is so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. It it it's it's very it's a humbling experience. Let's just say that, um, and it's always funner. We've we've had the opportunity to have a breeder before, um, but never under our herd name. So this is extra special to us. And uh, again, our, a goal that we set every single year is to just again make sure our goats are productive. Um, and my dad does a really good job of that. I can't take any of the credit here um, because truly he is the one that is busting his butt milking these goats
0: and making sure they have plenty of of dry straw and all the other things that make them happy goats right
1: yes all the dry
0: straw in the world that's again right. the king of straw ed judlowski that's okay we all have to have the king for something <laughs> um on a somber note uh we're recording this on um december the 5th and um on a somber note um We learned today that Sheila Nixon has passed away. If you had the opportunity to know Sheila, to say that she is an unforgettable person is um, probably minimizing the impact that she's had on the dairy goat world.
1: Yeah, I think about her impact, not, not just in the dairy goat world, but specifically within the alpine breed. All three of us as alpine enthusiasts here um, truly goats like Nixon's luminary and then the sire Nixon's Ranchman really just, um, stamp the breed with, with positive traits there and really have left, um, an incredible, um, stamp on, on the Alpine breed here. And the Nixon's herd is obviously a historic herd name as well there.
0: Um, and not just that, but Sheila has been so impactful on things like, uh, setting up linear appraisal and, um, you know, really solidifying judges and in, in the judges training. And um, our Adga Pioneer program is um a nod to what Sheila put together. And she just, she truly is one of, one of those strong women that I know that I growing up really looked up to her. There are numerous stories throughout uh, the dairy goat world of things that Sheila's done and things that Sheila said, but, um, when I think about Sheila, I remember her kindness to me as a brand new judge um, through my first judges training conference and in her, her smile and her encouragement. And I, I've never forgotten that. So um, the world's a little bit of a smaller place because we've lost Sheila. So our our condolences most f- certainly to John and her family.
1: All right. Yolanda, are you ready to discuss our exciting topic for the day. I am. All right. So today we're going to talk about a VCPR here. We're going to continue our conversation about the changes coming down the pipeline as of late June, early July of 2023, uh, changes with over-the-counter um, medicine there, and um, how you as a dairy goat enthusiast need to be having different conversations with your vet here. Um, vets run by something called a veterinary client-patient relationship. Did I get that acronym correct, Yolanda? Exactly, yes. And and that's what we're going to be talking about today here. So, in a nutshell, to start off is, what the heck
2: is a veterinary client
1: patient relationship
2: so we we go this through this in school for four years and they drill this in our heads um, they give us access to the prescription drugs but in order to dispense those they want us to have at least a pretty good idea of the people that are going to be using them if we're not giving them ourselves and so every state is a little bit different but I know where I'm at in a lot of states within a year you have to have seen, this person, the farmer, their farm hands, you know, some, some owner agent of the animals and the animals within a year. And then you don't have to see them every time they have the same problems or have things going on, as long as you feel that you have a good handle on what their operation is like and what could be the, the real problems. And so, you know, it, it's designed to make it legal for veterinarians to dispense medications to owners. So,
0: um, does that, that goes for drugs that are labeled for goats correctly and then correct. And then also for drugs that are off label,
2: right? That's right. And so, you know, one of the main things about it is the things we know about drugs and how they should be used and what they should be used for, they're just wanting someone to make sure those are used appropriately. And they put that on the veterinarians to make sure That if we suggest a drug be used, then that it's going to be used in the appropriate way for the appropriate thing on the appropriate species. And so there's there's some drugs that are approved for goats and some that aren't. There's definitely more that aren't because they're a minor species, but there's some ways around that um, on a lot of the drugs where you can use them when you really need them. The only problem is there's a few drugs where there are no ways around that. And so... If you end up using a drug that you got, say, for the pigs and you use it on the goats, uh, like Batril, for example, and they found out that your veterinarian gave that to you, then the blame would go back to the veterinarian for you using that on a goat. And so we're not trying to regulate your drugs. We're not trying to take them away from you. We just want to make sure everybody knows who to use them on and why.
1: Well, I have a hundred questions after that statement because I may or may not have used a drug that you, on on a certain animal, again, I am not going to incriminate myself here. Um, But um, it's it's interesting you say that there. So you talked about every single year, um, but why is it super important for goat producers to work with their local veterinarian to have this type of relationship?
2: So so probably one of the main reasons is just we have to build that trust up that we as veterinarians know what we send home with you when we decide that we need to send it with you as opposed to come use it ourselves. We just need to have that trust that you're doing what we suggest you do. And at the same time, the relationship goes the other way in that you have to trust us that we're going to do the best we can. And if we don't see a person, but every two or three years, we don't know what their operation is like. I don't know that we can trust them or they can trust us that we're going to actually give them what's best for them. And so I think the main importance to it is just that we build that trust between each other, just like you would between friends that we only want the best for each other. Well, that
0: makes, that makes total sense to me, um, especially when I think about it from a human medicine standpoint, you know, I... If I were a doctor and somebody came to me and said that they needed a drug for such and such, but I didn't have a lot of confidence, that's what they're going to use it for. I'm not going to feel like I can prescribe that drug to them, right? Unless I come in and and see them and say, okay, you know, I'll give you the first dose here. We'll make sure it works okay. And then, yeah, keep it up for the next week. But if I think you're going to take it home and give it to your kid, probably not going to work,
2: right? Yeah. So we see situations like that a lot. And so, you know, that, that's where that trust needs to be built and you need to understand each other and, and the operation and what's going on. So
0: Yolanda, if, if I, if I moved, let's say that I moved to a new spot and I have to find a new vet, what is the best way to even start out that whole veterinary client patient relationship? Like when somebody wants to come to you and establish themselves as a patient of yours, What's the best way to get that done?
2: So, as as a goat owner, what I would do um, first is get on the AASRP. That's not the retired people. This is the American Association of Small Ruminant Practitioners, and they have a list of veterinarians. That this <laughs> it's a common confusion. <laughs> they have a list of veterinarians. I say, I say it
1: all the time to my wife
2: <laughs> that are. Um, interested in goats and a member of that association where they have access to more information than maybe a veterinarian that doesn't have the same interests. And so I would first look on there and see who in that list is close to you. But then as far as establishing, establishing that relationship, um, you know, sometimes it's as simple as just a farm call out to the house for, for 20 minutes or 30 minutes to say, this is my herd. This is how I manage them. These are the tests I run every year. We can draw our own blood. Um, We can do our own ultrasounds, but I want you to see how my setup is. So if at some point we have a problem, you're going to understand what my limitations may be, as well as what I may need to do different based on those problems.
1: So you're going to walk through with your new veterinarian that you have interest in, um, your, knowledge for lack of a better terms, correct? Correct. And and show them kind of your ability there. Cause I i think about and I'm asking these questions because I think a lot of goat owners, including myself, um, and again I am I am probably part of the problem here. I'll be the first to admit that there think that they might have more experience with with dairy goats compared to other veterinarians. Um and and because they don't have the quite the volume or such there. And I, I, I'm trying to word it in a way or trying to build a relationship with a vet in a way that does not want to undermine them. However, I want to continue to show them that, hey, I'm smart.
2: Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. And there there are going to be a lot of goat breeders that, that do have more exposure to goat health than some veterinarians. But I think when you start that relationship, you both will work through what each other knows. As well as what your level of comfort is with each of those things. And it's okay if you feel like the first veterinarian you worked with just maybe isn't the right one for you. Then you find one that you maybe has a little more knowledge or, uh, you know, just handles things a little bit differently and not putting down any food animal veterinarians, but doctors that handle primarily cattle sometimes aren't, don't have the same poise and compassion around goats. And we all know goats can be a little bit finicky and sometimes even um, divas. So they really have to be handled a little differently than cattle. So I think it's important just to work through that and get to know each other and what each other's um, strengths and weaknesses are. So Yolanda, what
0: I'm hearing you saying though, starting out a new relationship with a new vet it really needs to be looked at as an investment because it's going to be an investment of time for you and for that vet. And it's going to be an investment in money because farm calls are expensive. And, and I, I think, I think what I'm hearing you saying is it's important to realize that this is a long-term relationship that you're trying to build up here. And so you want to be able to invest that into the future success of that relationship.
2: Yeah, I think that that's definitely true. And, you know, farm calls can be expensive and, and most clinics are super busy right now, which makes it even more challenging. But a, a farm call to your herd just to evaluate um, kind of management practices and, and to just to see how you manage things is going to be a lot cheaper in the long run when you need to just run in and say, hey, you know what? I've got one that has mastitis. I did the CMT. Here's a picture of it. I need to pick up some of you know what you would recommend at this point, or what do you want me to do? And so instead of having to do a farm call on an emergency, which is going to be even more expensive, that that initial farm call to start the relationship really is going to be saving you money in the long run.
1: So I want to build on this here and kind of ask a, a question that I, I came through on one of the Facebook comments um, that I saw earlier, and was like, "Well, I don't trust my vet, or whatever, or I don't trust my vet." You know, I, I had a problem once and it doesn't, it didn't work. I'm never going to use them again there. What can goat owners do in order to either uh, figure out how to work with that vet to help them, help them kind of communicate their thoughts and desires there? Or what what can they do in order to maybe help educate their local vets as
2: well there? So I think you're going to run into vets that enjoy working on goats and and you know other small ruminants and then you're going to run into vets that just don't. If they truly do not enjoy goats, it's going to be hard to build that relationship on the same level of how much you enjoy your goats and what they mean to you. And I think it's important that a veterinarian understands what your goats are to you because if they're just brush goats, he's going to handle them very differently then he would the goats you know like the three of us raise and so if you're having a hard time with a vet or they've they've done some things that just seem really inappropriate and don't seem to be aware or maybe don't seem to want to fix those things or work together there's lots of vets out there and so you need you probably need to find one even if it's 30 more miles away that actually is going to enjoy and see the investment you have in the goats Um, the first thing I would say is don't do the Facebook bashing because it's very hard to work with people who have already publicly criticized somebody else. It just really puts a guard up. And so just, just kind of move on and cut your losses and, you know, ask around and find maybe somebody that works better with you and better with goats, if that makes sense.
1: No, Makes perfect sense all the time. And that's, a lot of the conversations I have with my wife here. And a lot of these questions I have are going to be based on conversations I've had with my wife and deeper conversations from the goat owner perspective. She comes from the veterinarian perspective and, and there are almost two different perspectives because as, as we all three know, a lot of goat people like to handle things on their own and don't like to ask for help because they've, they've, they've done it already. They've seen it already. Um, So it's it's a challenge sometimes
0: so Yolanda um when I've worked with vets or I've moved to a new a new area and have made a new relationship with a vet um I had a vet tell me one time that that goat owners are really challenging they felt like because on the one hand goats are livestock but goat people often act more like a dog or cat owner in the
2: way that they approach their livestock. Would you say that that's a fair assessment? Oh, I would definitely say that's pretty, pretty accurate because um, goat owners are different. Just like horse owners are different. Just like dog owners are different. Just like cat owners are different, but it's the challenging part is, trying to balance those out. And so typically when we have, especially new goat owners come in and are talking to us, we have that initial conversation of, you know, are these livestock? What do you do with these? Is there emotional attachments? Are they, you know, are, are you very interested in making sure you get offspring from them? Or are you more interested in nothing happened to them? And so we have those conversations and especially center them around, you know, financially how much is she worth to you? Because there's lots of things you can do, but if financially it's not feasible or economically smart, then we're going to make different decisions and offer different things. We also talk about if, you know, if this is something that's over my head is referral to a specialty clinic and and a possibility because we want to know when we should stop trying to fix this and doing what we can and send it to somebody with maybe a little more specialty uh, care available.
1: I want to dig a little deeper on that because you talk about money, which is kind of the elephant in the room. And I will take the, the one side of this new, um, you know, new ruling on, on, over the counter drugs and and a new client, veterinary, client, patient relationship here. Maybe not new but different now, is that it, it it looks like it could be a ploy to just continue to get more money as you can upcharge on drugs for veterinary clinics here. And again, this is a this is kind of the business side of it there, but but what's kind of the real driving thing of this difference of change
2: here? Is it money? I don't think it's really money at all because I can tell you there are a lot of clinics that do not like dispensing drugs, especially large quantities of drugs, because it's time consuming and the return on investment is not worth it. If I had, if, if it comes down to me having to stock seven bo- bottles of new floor or 10 bottles of Draxin in my clinic, you know, we're going to have to take out loans to keep that much drug on hand. And so, I, it's just really about education. If we can educate owners on how to use drugs and and when it's appropriate to do so, then I think we would have avoided a lot of this. And so, you know, that was kind of our fault for not doing that education up front. Um, I have always been big on when owners would come in and and need something that's over the counter. We don't carry over the counter drugs other than what we use in house, and we send them down to the feed stores because they can buy them and sell them a whole lot easier than I can. We just don't have time to do that. So I've never felt it was about money. And I think most veterinarians are concerned that the money it will generate for us isn't going to even compensate really for the amount of time it's going to take us to do these things now. So there's some real concern there. Gotcha. That makes sense there. And again, that's
1: kind of cynical goat owner per cheapscape goat people, which is Sometimes the connotation, as I've found in conversations with my wife, about goat owners is that they don't want to spend the money there. So asking, digging a little deeper on that, the money side of things, is it important for goat owners to be transparent to to a point about what they're willing to spend with a, a veterinarian there in order to increase their, their value of their client-patient relationship?
2: Yeah, I think it's good just to be upfront with them. And, and I don't think you need to come in and go, okay, this goat is sick and I will only spend hundred dollars or five hundred or a thousand or whatever because you know we're not we're not doing it and trying to get to your limit but we just need to know if this goat say needs a C section, is that something that would be valuable to you? And if so, are the kids more valuable than the dam? And if so, if you couldn't get either, would you just you know, if it if the odds aren't good, would you just cut your losses and stop or would you still want to try? And so I think being upfront about how far you're willing to go is, is pretty important and also gives your veterinarian an idea of, you know, if, if it's only worth hundred dollars to you for me to try to fix it, I'm probably only going to try a hundred dollars worth. But if you tell me this goat is very important, sure. we're going to have to go to some extra efforts to try to, you know, call in help or, or get some advice from um, some colleagues to try to make this work. But I think it's important to just be upfront about that of what they mean to you, both emotionally and financially.
0: And I would say also, too, along with that, um, don't be afraid to have those, those hard questions, those hard conversations with your veterinarian. And it, it's good to let your vet know, you know, hey, I appreciate you trying here, but I think we're probably at a point. To me, it doesn't look like it's going to be a, a positive thing. What do you think, Doc? Because I, I sometimes I think that that maybe a veterinarian might be a little hesitant to
2: throw the towel in if
0: they think that you still want them to keep trying.
2: Uh, definitely, it's it's one of those things, especially if you've already spent some time working on it, that it's hard to give up on them. I mean, definitely, there's times when it's the best thing, but if an owner is committed. You just want to do the best you can to try to explore every option and give them every possibility to get better if, if there's something that can be offered.
1: So I will ask a question here, and it is something I have often wondered as well here, and it's different now. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but in the state of Wisconsin, if you live in Wisconsin, you are not allowed to have, a, you you don't have to have a health paper to go to a affair or a show or anything within the state of Wisconsin. So I hypothetically, if my wife was not a vet, I would not need to have a vet on my place at, at all there. Um, and it's different in my dad's situation where the vet, he comes out and they write a health paper based on that. Um, but how do you, how can farmers build a relationship beyond the health paper is what I'm going to ask.
2: So I think that goes back into just the, the yearly talks of, you know, is, is there anything you see that I should be doing different? You know, I've done all these things. Does, does the management still look okay? It's easy to get management blind, just like it is to get farm blind or barn blind where, you you see your goats every day. And so it's hard to pick up on things and you see your farm every day. And so you don't notice some of the things that other people would that walk onto your farm. And that's one of my favorite things to do when I go to other farms is just look at pin setups and where goats live and who lives with who and how they're fed. And uh, you can not just as a veterinarian, but as a breeder go into other breeder farms, and you can learn a lot from just how other people feed and manage their herds, And there's always something that can be improved on, I think. And so just having another set of eyes and going, and they may come out and say, Cameron, you're doing the best job of any person I've ever been to. Just keep doing what you're doing. But you've set that relationship up where he understands you're truly doing the best you can. And if you ask for help, that's something serious. So I'm guessing that holds true to
0: things like uh, parasite control, whether it's coccidia that is as a vet when you walk onto a farm your eyes are kind of naturally drawn to areas that you're thinking hmm maybe that's why this this producer is having some coccidia problems because i see this situation that's set up here or um worms or um you know management problems that that maybe animals are overcrowded and the owner just didn't see that those are all things that you're going to see too as a vet correct
2: Yeah. And I I think that's one of the things to consider when you're, when owners are looking at all the things that are going to be taken away from them, um, or that they feel are taken away from them when some of these laws come into effect is that I would say 90% of the things they're wanting drugs for could be corrected with management, but you have to be pretty proactive on it. Um, mastitis a lot of time is a a management thing we just need to look around and see why that's happening coccidia is always a management thing and so to not have your coccidia drugs we may just have to get a little better at management to control some of that Um, parasites can almost always be controlled with management as long as you get ahead of it and not behind it once you're behind it you need loads of drugs but if you stay ahead of it. So there's, there's just so many things that can be corrected by management. And, you know, we all just need to be a little better at managing me included. I'm probably, if somebody came to my farm, there's probably all kinds of things they'd point out to me. And I would just, I I guess have to take a day off every week to try to fix those. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I want to talk a little bit about communication with your vet because it's it's different and it's ever-changing. And I think about how my old veterinarian, at, when I was at my dad's place, communicated with us versus how my wife chooses <laughs> to communicate with her clients here. Um, how What's the best way to communicate with a veterinarian? And then I guess it's kind of dependent, but what are your thoughts on
2: that? Yeah, I think that's probably one of those things you should establish establish with them because there there's definitely everybody's going to have their own preferences. I do not mind doing text messaging and Facebook messaging about medical issues with my clients at all. Um, and it's perfectly fine for them to send me pictures. But if you're sending a picture to a veterinarian that you haven't seen in three and a half years, you just have to be careful expecting a lot back in return from those. And so I think you should probably, you know, at some of those uh, conversations you're having, say, hey, if I'm having a problem and I'm not sure what I should do, what's the best way to reach out to you? Should I call the office? And if you're not there, will they give me a cell phone or do you prefer Facebook Messenger or how, you know, how's the best way to reach you? And even something as simple as calling and saying, suddenly I have three does with mastitis. I would normally treat with some Um, today or tomorrow, but do you think I should culture them first since it's different than what I'm used to seeing? You know, just, just those conversations to where, and they may just tell you, no, I think you're probably on the right track. Go ahead and do that. And letting them be part of the decisions you're making definitely will build that relationship to where they feel confident in that what they're giving you to treat with later on is being used appropriately. So, but they're all going to have their own preference of communication. I want to go back to something
1: here that you said about Facebook messaging. So you're not telling everyone to Facebook message you their problems, right?
2: Well, the good news is if I don't respond within the first 24 hours, it's probably done, got lost three feet down. So you would have to message me again for me to remember it. I just, I I lose messages quickly, it seems. Um, But yeah, I would recommend reaching out to your own veterinarian that you have a relationship with. My clients reach out to me on Facebook all the time and my friends do too. And that really doesn't bother me. And I don't mind helping when I can, but sometimes the help, the answer may be you probably need to just see a veterinarian or have somebody out to the house. God, so,
0: right. I'm i am going to jump on to, to that last statement that you just made. I hear people from time to time saying, you know, I have what I think is a decent relationship with my vet, but they never want to come out to my house. Can you talk a little bit about vet calls or emergency calls and what kind of information maybe a vet needs to hear so that they know that, yeah, it really is an urgent call to come out to the house or or some things maybe that that uh, uh, relate to that kind of a situation?
2: I would just be guessing that most of the time when um, the vet won't come out, it's it's either they're they're just literally too busy. Like they truly have too many already scheduled appointments that they cannot get there in a reasonable time frame. Or we see a lot of um, what would people may call good relationships, or I was just there the other day. Could you come out, you know, today and check on this goat that's kidding. And it's really been three and a half years. And so sometimes what people feel like is a good relationship maybe isn't as good as they think on their side because it sticks in their mind a little bit better that they were there because it cost them money and so it doesn't seem as long ago as it maybe it actually would. Um, if your vet, you know, th- this goes right back to some of those first discussions you have of, you know, do you do farm calls? Are you available on the weekends? Do you have suggestions? If you're not. And and get that out in the open that sometimes you have emergencies, but if they see you on emergency, if the first time they hear from you is on an emergency on a weekend, it's just a little harder to make time for that when your schedule's already super crowded. If if that makes sense,
0: well, that makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, and that goes back to a comment that my wife often makes to me is the first time they hear from a lot of clients will be at two o'clock in the morning and that's not what they're looking for. Would you tend to agree with that statement?
2: Oh, that's definitely true. I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to help somebody you have a relationship with than it is to help somebody that you're going to meet for the first time because you have no idea what you're going into. You have no idea what the setup is. You don't know how these goats are cared for. You don't know if they, were healthy before and now they're sick or if they've just always had kind of sickly goats and so the first time in the middle of the night or on a weekend is a terrible time to meet your veterinarian gotcha well again i will tell my wife that makes sense and and it makes sense to me
1: too but um it to some people i I, it's it's hard to to grasp that does that make sense You, you know
2: it's just one of those things where I don't think you know, they're not thinking they're ever gonna have an emergency, so they don't ever make that first call to establish that relationship. And so when they get in that situation, it just doesn't make sense to a lot of owners that they wouldn't get help immediately. And so I, you definitely have to step back from the situation and see it from the other side, I think, and that's hard to do as an owner.
0: If you could tell people upfront as a doctor, Look, when you call me about a sick animal, like you have a relationship with them, but they call you about a sick animal. What are the basic things that you as a veterinarian wish that every one of your clients would have checked or noted or or made a note of before they give you that initial phone call?
2: Probably if they know if it's been eating or drinking, just things as basic as that. And do you know how much and what? What is its temperature and what does its eye color and hydration look like? Um, Just kind of some basic things to let us evaluate how big of an emergency this is. Probably the other thing that everybody's going to ask is when did it start? Did it start today or did it start last week? Because that kind of has a a way in on on what we're going to do next. And then when you get into deeper into kind of the problems that are going on, um, and I have a few clients that do this and it really is helpful because at, just like Cameron, they want to do their own thing. They want to give their own drugs and all that, but write it down and the days you gave and how much, because we just need to figure out what you've already tried. Cause there's no need in me giving something that you've already given and didn't work unless you didn't give it at the right dose. And so write down how much you give and when. And that way we can go back and look and say, well, yeah, if those aren't working, I think you're probably dealing with something else. And so, you know, the basic things to start with, definitely temperature, eye color and hydration status, and are they eating and drinking? And then as it gets more complicated and and you've already done some things to try to remedy the situation, keep a log of what you're actually giving them.
1: So what you're saying is be a better record keeper.
2: Yeah. Yes, and I'm not the greatest record keeper on my farm. I am at work because my license depends on it. (laughs) But at home, I could definitely be better, and I try to encourage people to be better.
1: Uh, A a classic uh, Cameron is a do as I say, not as I do.
2: (laughs) And and the
0: pencil is always mightier than the brain. (laughs) Yes. I think I'll remember things, and I never do. So. (laughs) So I, I want to branch on to something else, Yolanda, that I didn't really write in the notes, but I think it's something really important. Um, I see quite a bit on social media about um, depression and stress um, that our veterinary practitioners are facing all the time. And, and as horrible as it is to talk about, um, a really high suicide rate within the veterinary medicine practice. Um, can you talk a little bit about things that we can do as, um, patients as clients that can maybe make life a little bit more tolerable, a little easier mental health wise on our beloved veterinary practitioners?
2: Oh, for sure. I think that's a a pretty important topic. And, um, actually so important, there's there's an organization um, called Not One More Vet that's geared toward trying to reduce the suicide rate in veterinarians. And, you know, a lot of it really has to do with just the emotional stress that goes into a job like this, where you just are exposed to a lot of death. And sometimes you can do everything possible and you still are exposed to death. And then sometimes you're not allowed to do anything and have to put them down, you know, per the owner's request. And so it just makes it, there's a lot of emotional baggage, I guess you would say, that would come along with the job. And so just always, I mean, and I don't think this is necessarily for your veterinarian, but for everybody you meet, just just kind of step back and be kind. Just don't assume they're out to get you. Just, and, and you're going to have some bad encounters with some veterinarians. And there are some bad veterinarians but don't lump them all together and assume that they're all out to get you. They may just be having a bad day. They may have put down, uh, you know, a 10 year olds 8-year-old dog that he had grown up with. There, there's a lot of things that are probably going on in their head that nobody else got to see. And so, you know, I think it just goes back to being kind. One of the worst things you can do is get on social media and say something negative because chances are the veterinarian is already feeling pretty bad about the way the day went anyway. And when you just bring that up again or share it with other people, then it, it's not really helping the situation. I mean, there's definitely times when things should be looked at, but there's appropriate channels for those. And if you're having a real problem with the veter- veterinarian, you really need to go through those channels and not just assume they were out to get you. And I will say I've had, yeah, yeah. Be kind. I I graduated in 2000 to, to give you an idea how old I am. Um, And I've had, I think we're on four classmates that have committed suicide.
0: Oh my God. That's
2: horrible. Yeah.
0: Wow. All
1: right. I kind of want to wrap up on a positive note here. Yolanda, if you had, to tell the listeners one thing about establishing a, a veterinary client patient relationship, what would it be? What would it be?
2: Probably just, just go in and talk to them, you know, set, set up an appointment time. Just even if it's just a 15 minute appointment slot that you want to go in and have an appointment and talk to your veterinarian and tell them what you're doing. Maybe you don't want to call them out to the farm just yet. You just want to meet them and explain to them your operation, what you're doing, what it means to you, and have a, a talk to find out if, if the two of you are compatible. And it's amazing what just 15 minutes of talking to see what you have in common regarding goats can do for somebody. We have clients that come from you know several hours away to us because they know I'm passionate about goat and I'm passionate about goat medicine. And I want to do what's best. But most of those started with just a conversation of, would you see my goat for this?
1: That makes perfect sense here. Yolanda, thank you so much for joining us this week. And we really appreciate your insight, your knowledge, and your candor.
2: No, I really loved it. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you guys for having me. Well, I forgot to put a plug in. For the fact that
0: you are one of the main people who's putting together the 2023
2: the AG <laughs> convention in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes, we are. We are so excited to have um, the convention in Tulsa in October of 2023, um, mid October. I I'm. 17th through the 23rd, maybe somewhere around there. All the dates are kind of blending together because start and end are kind of different for the people on the committee than they are for everybody else. But it's right there in the middle of October, right in downtown Tulsa. It's going to be a a really beautiful location. There's going to be so much to do. We have already got uh, a load of speakers lined up that just seem to be really fabulous and really want to share goat things with, with people that are really interested in them. And so, you know, we can't wait. Our t-shirt designs are coming along. Laura may know something about that. Um, we're just super excited to have it there. And we, I just want to say the ball is rolling and we should have things coming out for people to be ready to, to, uh, plan for that. Or, you know, even this far in advance.
1: Yeah. Laura, how is the t-shirt design coming?
0: It's coming. It's coming. I'm excited. <laughs> It's going to be cute. It's always fun. It's fun to have an artist in the family. I'll just say that.
1: Yes. um, I am excited for Tulsa. I'm hoping to be living on Tulsa time in October of next year. (laughs) Um, And I can't wait to see what the group has planned for all of the shenanigans that are the convention.
2: I I just want to say we have a Facebook page. And so find us at the 2023 ADDA um, annual convention and meeting on Facebook, and you can see all the updates as we get new information. That's so exciting.
1: Yes. As always, listeners, we appreciate your time and your dedication to Goat Gab and spending an hour with us each week. If you do have any uh, topic episodes or feedback you'd like to give us, let us know. Um, you can find us on the Facebook or anywhere where you get your podcast. there.
0: And as always, uh, your feedback is a gift and we greatly appreciate it and appreciate you. So everybody have a fantastic week and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, Laura, before we go,
1: Yolanda, where can the listeners find information about your goats, your veterinary practice, if they are in the Stillwell, Oklahoma region, which I know is very, very densely (laughs) populated?
2: <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> but you can come from far away. We don't mind. We will work with you. Um you can find our herd on Facebook at Cherry Tree Farm Dairy Goats and see what the goats are doing and the kids and then you can find the hospital at Patterson Animal Hospital on Facebook as well. And so go go by and like our pages and keep up with us. Awesome.
1: Uh we'll catch on the next one, goat gabbers.
2: Have a great week everybody.